Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week, we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. Episode 2209, Leadership Ingredient, Knowledge. We're up to knowledge. Leadership Recipe ingredient knowledge. Now, let me ha- tell you how this started for me. And then I'd be curious some of your experiences. So I'm a young leader. I'm very intuitive gut feel. It's not all gut feel, but I had learned to rely on my intuition because my intuition was pretty good. Now my intuition, it, it wasn't just random willy nilly. I was a good listener. I really paid close attention. I keep in mind. So I start out selling stereo gear. So I'm toe to toe with customers and I'm really paying attention. And when you're selling stereo equipment back in the day, you want to play the customer's favorite record. So if they come in and I say, well, you know, pink Floyd, dark side of the moon. Great. You know, so you grab pink Floyd, dark side of the moon, you put money on uh, the song money and you just watch their eyes light up. So. My intuition was not based on nothing. It was based on observation. It was based on what I was hearing them say. It was based on, well, the curiosity. It was based on questions that I would ask them and answers that they would give. But then I get to leadership. So fast forward and I I get into leadership and my intuition lets me down. And I'm like, okay. I need to, uh, I need to be a a bit more evidence based. And there were a couple of big shot, smarty pants guys in Stanford who wrote a book about evidence based leadership. And so I just, I dove whole hog into the whole evidence based leadership. Now this is pre computer days. Now, fast forward a few years. What do you mean, Randy? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, the computers that we had were calculators. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we didn't have any other kind of computer. Um, fast forward then a couple of years and computers come and I did become somewhat of an analytics nerd. Um, it was way above my brain power, but I, I got fascinated in looking for patterns and I got really fascinated running a business. What's selling? Why is it selling? When is it selling? What do, what do these numbers look like? Where are these customers coming from? You know, what, what zip code is outperforming another, all of that kind of stuff. Really? I got really vested in this whole knowledge is power kind of a thing, not in, in a competition way that, well, I know something you don't know, which is so often the case, but here we are in today's age of, of analytics. And of course, now we've got so much data. We now have so much access to so much knowledge. I think there's a couple of challenges today. None of the least of which is, is it really knowledge? Is it true? Right. With deep fakes and everything else going on. And what I, and what I'm looking at, is that even real? Is it accurate? I think that's a huge problem for leaders everywhere. Here's what we know to be true. Every leader, if they aren't scared, they should be of what they don't know. 
what we don't know is always what bites us. So knowledge is, is power. And we want to know, we want to make sure that we're seeing it clearly, which is why leveraging the power in the room is so critically important because I'm looking at it from my vantage point. But now if I can take advantage of you looking at it from your vantage point, well, the odds go up exponentially for me to get it more right than not. Now, if we had a third person, a fourth person, and we're all sharing, this is our perspective. This is what I see. Yes, we could all get it wrong, right. but, the, the, but the odds are, are going to be greatly diminished that we're going to get it wrong. I can say this from my experience, we're going to get it a lot less wrong. If yeah, we can leverage the power of the room. I think the reality is, uh, you know, as we talk about these ingredients and you talk about humility being the foundation and then we, and then you have to ask questions, which is curiosity without that, you don't get the knowledge. So I think the important thing that I've learned in working with managers and leaders across the organization or even employees is that they will fill in the blanks. If, if, if curiosity is not done, they will believe to be true what's in their head, maybe based on a few encounters, based on a few comments from somebody that becomes their truth. And if you don't ask questions to confirm it, I always say inspect what you expect. You need you need to ask the questions to confirm is what you believe to be true actually true. And don't just ask the one individual. Like you said, it's the power of the collective. You need to get more who have knowledge to make sure all the perspectives are understood. And this doesn't, you know, as I always say, this doesn't mean you have to be touchy feeling. Every, every decision has to be a meeting. That's not what we're saying here. But what we are saying is if you don't ask questions, people are going to create their own truth based on what they believe to be true. And so you must ask the questions to get the answers and therefore make a decision, even if it's a quick one you know, on, on what the actual facts are for that. So that, that you're making, as we call it, an educated, an educated decision, well, we've which all is got the power a, of understanding. And we'll talk about that kind of next in our series. Yeah. Well, we've all got a worldview. We've all, we've all, we all see the world a certain way and we see how we fit in the world a certain way. That's not right or wrong. It just is what it is, but it can it can serve us very well. It can also be an impediment, you know, to get in our way. I used Lisa and I did a recording and just for clarity, we kind of refer to these walk the talk series that, that Lisa has done for the city that where she works, these, these were done and have been done and are being done as, as internal programs. Now she's been happy to share with all of us these, and she asked me some time ago to contribute with this whole idea of these leadership recipes. And so as these things come out, as we're hitting the record button, they haven't, they haven't been released yet, but as they do come out, we'll make sure that we give you access to them. But I remember in one of those that you asked me to do, and I think it was about this particular subject of knowledge. I talked about an individual that I'd had a number of meetings with. Well, 
bigger context, bigger meetings. This person was involved in these meetings. We'd had a couple of these meetings. I didn't know this person very well at all. And in the meetings, just not a pleasant human being at all. And I, and I did make some assumptions about this person based solely on their behavior in a couple of these business meetings. And admittedly, some of the meetings were a bit confrontational. And there were six people or so in the room. And I remember thinking, you know, I don't know this guy very well, but I did make as a human, I made some assumptions about this person. And after the second meeting, I had some occasion to meet with this person. I sought it out and I thought, I'm just going to get to know this guy a little bit better. And I mean, within five minutes, a person that I didn't know very well, this is, this is a gift that I have. It's a curse. actually. Oh. Um, he's, you're more, you're more perfect than I realized. No, no, hardly. <laughs> I'm, I'm way more imperfect than you realize. But within five minutes, this, this poor guy is shelling down, you know, some pretty traumatic personal things that he's enduring. And he says to me, I'm not handling it well question do you think that knowledge altered my perspective of this guy who i had only been able to judge based on his behavior in two business meetings some of which were a bit confrontational not out of hand just a bit combative do you think that that knowledge that here's a man confessing to me that he's going through some personal trauma and admits He's not handling it well. Well, now I'm connecting dots that frankly deserve to be connected. I now know something about this man that I didn't know before. Well, of course it changed everything for me. Of course. Yeah. I did the same thing. You know, I had, and mine was much longer, but in, in the human resources world in city government world, if you're anywhere in the chain, probably division manager and up, you have to form a lot of relationships out, right? And down. You have to form relationships with your peers that are in the industry, your peers in the city. You have to uh, work with others to help them solve issues. And, and so many of us have to collaborate, whether it's, you know, helping public works get people or whether it's solving for a land, you know, deal that you're trying to make and you're involving attorneys and city managers and contractors and developers and things like that. And all of those things, I have to work with people all the time. I've been here 20, going on 26 years in my 26th year. And I had, there was, there was a particular manager that I had worked with just occasionally but every interaction, I was like, good gosh, you know, and I heard from other people. It was just a very difficult adversarial outcome after the fact. Does that make sense? So I might have had one conversation or sent an email and then got back a, a paragraph or it escalated to their director. And then the city manager's office would go, what is going on? You know, and I'd say, well, here's what I saw. And sometimes it wasn't me. I'm just HR. So I'm working with the the two that may be conflicting. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, this individual's always difficult, always difficult. That was my perception. Well, then as they continue in their career and elevate, we're now peers. 
instead of me being a director and then being a manager. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one of the interesting things was I, you know, my goal was on relationships and I'm like, I'm going to keep working on relationships because I want all of us to know each other better as directors one-on-one, not just business all the time. Cause we kind of lose sight of that when you're just running 90 to nothing all the time. Every city is lean typically and fast paced to get things done. Very efficient in local government in my philosophy. So I, I'd start taking directors to lunch doing one-on-ones just, they're like, what are you, what is going on? Why are we going to lunch? And I'm like, no, really to just to eat. And, you know, I don't want to talk business, <laughs> you know? Right. And so a few of them are laughing and they're like, okay, I just made making sure this isn't like a pink slip or CMO <laughs> told you to go meet with me on some issue. I'm right. like, no, no, no. It's, it's hazards really- of being HR. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, anytime you have the police chief, the auditor <laughs> and the attorney walking down the hall with the HR director, never good. Right. <laughs> this wasn't bad. That's good news. So anyway, I I took this person, we went to lunch and you know, when you start talking to people personally and I just, I'm just straightforward. Those of you that know me in the industry, I just lay out my cards. I don't have a good poker face. I don't do well with hiding secrets or fluffing. (laughs) You know, I just was direct. I said, listen, I felt it's been rocky. I don't want it to be rocky. I want to serve you. I want you to be able to serve me. Let's work together. Here's the challenges um, that I've seen in the past. And I don't want you feeling that way towards me or my team. We are here to help you, but we do have limitations and things like that. What a great outcome. I mean, just having the conversation, the challenge was I was trying to fit what I like to do, which is emails, put everything in writing. That's what I've been trained to do in HR documentation. So we have everything. It was communicated clearly. Well, this person doesn't like to do it that way. This person likes to meet one-on-one with you, talk through it. Nothing's in writing. Um, Just have dialogue because it's a relationship in their mind. And once I understood that, now every time there's an issue, I pick up the phone. I email nothing. And I say, hey, I'm having this issue or, hey, I didn't get back with you. I just wanted you to know I'm still working on it completely. Uh, and, and that individual said, we're, we're good. The old is behind us. I understand you and how you need to operate and you understand me. And we're like solid. You know what I mean? So yeah. I did get it wrong and it was over years, but I didn't work with that person day in, day out. It was an occasional, maybe once or twice a year or working between that person and another department. Uh, and they were having the same issues. But you know what it constantly came down to was lack of knowledge on what was important to them. I was trying to do what was important to me. Again, focus on me and not them. And it changed it when I, when I shifted the very thing that I teach, it's very easy to even myself to fall into that. And through knowledge, now I completely understand and I can change that interaction with that individual if you're willing to do so. And it made a complete difference. And so I really learned a lot from that, although I knew and knew better. I don't know why I didn't apply it. I think I would, it's like, you know, we talked about in a previous episode, when you see that number come up on the phone, you're like, oh, for good gosh yeah. sakes, right. I don't, do I have something else I can be doing right now? So I'm busy, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. but I don't want it to be that way. I really want good relationships. And it was a step that I had to realize and take through understanding and through the knowledge I had gained to create that understanding completely change the relationship. And how many of us do that? 
How many of us are frustrated with somebody and never say anything, never ask questions, never have the crucial conversation of, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. Are you feeling it too? Cause I don't want it to be that way. How can, how can we help each other? Yeah. And I just think that's a missed opportunity so often. I know we're kind of digressing, but it goes to the point of curiosity and the knowledge that you you gain for and glean from that conversation. Yeah, and I, don't from asking it, questions. I don't think it's a digression at all. I mean, in this, if we could call it post-COVID, I don't know that we can, but it certainly is post-COVID in the sense of, you know, the shutdown and the massive disruption in, in workplaces that we all endured um, over the last couple of years, it has caused, I have seen it cause more siloing, <clears throat> siloing being defined as head down blinders on. I got my stuff. I know they're across the hall, this other department, but I don't much care what's going on over there. Cause I got my own stuff over here. And so the walls, the walls were always up mm-hmm. because whether it's a city or any kind of an enterprise, we get stuck in our own trench and we've got our own team in our trench. We're doing our stuff. And I think a big part of this knowledge is where do I fit in the grand scheme of things? You and I have spent a lot of time over the course of the last few years talking about story, particularly the stories that we tell ourselves and the stories, the story that we're telling other people. And by story, we don't mean fiction or bragging. No, no. We just mean the way we see things and the way we perceive things. So there you are in HR. And if I'm in it or I'm in public works or I'm something else, I, I'm not thinking about you and I got streets and I got drainage and I got all kinds of projects going. And we typically are fighting for our own budgets and our own team and our own stuff. And I get it. I get it. But knowledge of each other and knowledge of situations, knowledge about ourself and our right. own team, you know, it helps us make sense of all this. Yes. And I, and it's so, it's, it's so important, Randy, because through, through knowledge, if we all just think how much easier our lives would be if we'd all just be curious and gain knowledge and then make a decision. But so often we go off of what we think we know and then make a decision. And then we're, I call it damage control. Then you're like, oh crap. You know, <laughs> well, I that's need- why humility was the first ingredient. Exactly. And, you know, and I, I so remember, and, and I, I feel confident I can share this story because Tom would tell you, Tom Hart, our former city manager, he would tell you if he was on here, I remember an important story one time where, and it, and it happens in our world, the directors have, they go up and they have somebody they report to either an ACM, DCM, or CM. Usually police and fire report to the CM. We as directors report to an ACM or DCM, and they split those, right, across the city okay. government for structure and hierarchy. And I remember um, one time I, I had kept telling city manager's office and through just conversation, not not in tell mode or angry or anything like that, just saying, hey, guys, remember when directors come to you saying, hey, I want this position or I need to get it reclassed or I need a position study done or I need my department study for pay and equity. Don't commit. Just tell them if you agree or disagree with the concept 
And then you need to shift them to HR so we can study it and get you the facts. Because often they only know their piece on that one person or that one group and how it's impacting their group. But they don't know if it's in a heavy equipment operator that there's 50 of those across the city and we can't just adjust yours without looking at the whole to make sure we're doing right by all that aren't, don't have a voice that weren't asked to be looked at. Right. And so I remember, I remember, and Tom was always, he very supportive, just as Steve is Steve, very supportive, uh, our current chain, very supportive of HR and our processes and coming to them with the facts. And they review those uh, just like Tom did, but we have talked about our natural instincts are to solve problems and be fixers. We talked about this, right? Mm-hmm. We want to fix it. Somebody comes to us with a problem. Our high performers want to say, yep, I hear you. Let's do it. Let it, you know, let HR know. Well, he did that. So a director comes to him saying, we have got to give this person X uh, on their promotion. And uh, they sent the ESR through. I had a fresh green team. They processed it. No questions asked. I run a report, get a complaint what the hell? Why this person? Because everybody in city government knows what everybody makes. It's open records. And it was like, wait a second. Why did this individual, what they promoted to the same level position, they just made a lateral and, and they got, you know, 18% adjustment. Well, what happened in that case is that the payment went through I remember, I don't remember how the, either the complaint or somebody called HR or my staff, somebody noticed something. I don't know what happened, but anyway, they came to me and goes, here's what happened. Well, the problem was it in this particular case, it was a white male jumping, jumping above long tenured females, higher levels. So it's, it was a lateral, which should be no increase. And it, and they gave them like a huge, I don't remember, it was like 18 or 30%. It was a really big adjustment because they said they were moving to a bigger location. More duties, right? Mm-hmm. I always say more of the same. It's still the same. It's just right. more. Right. <laughs> it's bigger. Yeah. Um, but we can sometimes give little adjustments for that, but it was huge. Jumped them over. Equity got completely screwed up. So I went into Tom. Tom's a funny guy. I said, Tom, you have a second? He said, that's never a good way to start a conversation from the HR director. <laughs> and he did his sm- his famous smile that he does. And I said, Houston, we have a problem and it's a pretty big one. And he's very much just like, a, again, our current chain on equity, um, fairness, making sure we're doing right by our people. So I showed him the facts. I said, this decision, I want, to, I want you to see what it's actually done. And he knows the people. I mean, we've both been here a long time. He knew the people it it impacted. And he said, oh, my gosh, that's a big problem. Can you go fix it? I said, no. Do you want to take pay away and go back and tell the person what their director told them on this big ceremony of this lateral movement that they called a promotion that that we're taking away a 30 percent increase? He says, I don't want to do it. Can you do it? I said, no, I can't. Of course. (laughs) And I said, no, I don't want to do it either. I just want to, I just want to validate a point. This is why it's so important to let HR review it. We absolutely want you supporting your directors and their call, but just change the, change the wording and say, I approve the study, but please get with HR 
so that they can review it. They will get us the facts and we'll call you with questions or we'll let you know the answer. And so he immediately, because we couldn't fix it. So guess what we did? I said, we can't fix him, but what we can do, Tom, is fix the others. Put equity back make the adjustments because now you've got a lateral person at three levels down making the same as their manager Yeah, that had been here 16 years and they've been here four. So, and it was a female, you know, and it's just, mm-hmm. that it was unintended. This wasn't anybody trying to throw it off. They were just thinking they're going bigger. We owe them money. We should pay them for changing. All the intentions were great. The outcome was poor. And it was through that, that they didn't have the knowledge of impact through asking questions. Who does this impact? What does that look like? Has HR studied it? Do you have an outcome? What does it cost in budget? Can we afford it? Because the other thing is then they had to find the money because it was a mid-year adjustment. So all of that to be said, critical, even at the city manager's office, if you're there, to be sure we're gathering the facts and relying upon the experts for all of the perspectives, not a single perspective, because a single perspective is just that it's one person's view, not the collective, which has so much power. So a great example of how it impacted all of us. Now, the good news is the other people were very happy. (laughs) They're like, Oh, wow. I got a mid-year adjustment, but it was funny because after that, the outcome was, Tom got all the city manager's office together and the directors and said, from now on, here's the new process. You can come to us, but we will direct you to HR. So once you start with HR first, tell us what you're doing, and then they'll get us information and you information. And we, that's been our process now for 15 years and it's, you know, and we continue to rewrite it, but now everybody has full knowledge, not partial. Yeah. Well, those kind of meetings of, Hey, have you got a second? Cause we've got a big problem. <laughs> Nobody enjoys those conversations. So whatever we can do to avoid those. All right, let's give some action items. So sure. our audience, they, they want to elevate this part, this ingredient in their leadership. What are your suggestions? Well, I, I say definitely follow this, this leadership recipe that we have rolled out. Uh, even if you haven't listened to the prior episodes, be humble. First, be humble. No, you're not the smartest person in the room. Second, ask questions. Just, it doesn't have, again, it's not a meeting to have a meeting to make a decision and have another meeting. It's literally make sure you have the facts from more than one perspective. Think about who it would impact and what you're trying to find out and think about where you're trying to get to. Ask the questions that get to you making a decision and the output, what's going to happen to make sure you've addressed all those things in advance. Gain that knowledge then you, you have gotten understanding to make a really great decision. Be sure you involve the right people. That's, that's my key takeaways on any issue that you face. Just make sure you are being curious to get the, the knowledge that you need to make a really good decision for your city, for your department, for your team. And my only addition would be, and I agree with all of that, obviously, we know what we know. This isn't about discounting what we know or what we believe we know, but we might as well verify. We might as well collaborate and find out what other people know. This podcast is a perfect illustration of it. So I come from a very different background than Lisa. I've got 
certain experiences and insights that are my own. She has hers that are her own. And together, I can promise you, I can see things way more clearly with her added perspective because she's coming at it from a different point of view. It's not a matter of right or wrong. It's not a matter of competition. I would encourage all of us. Don't think about it in those terms. Don't think about it in terms of, well, I know better. I know more. That's not the game. The game is clarity. The game is, can we see this for what it really is? Can we, can we see what's really happening here? We've all misread situations and people we've given you a couple of stories, self-confession here of some of our own. I'm sure everybody in the audience, you've got your own. I know what I know. You know what you know. Let's take the time and the trouble to find out what other people know, because that will, that will only add clarity to what we already know and expand it even more coming up next is understanding and we can't get to understanding the reason these ingredients are in this order and the order is important at least at first is because they do build on one another and you can't have the next one without the prior one once you get them all in your arsenal once you get them all laid out on your counter in whatever amounts you feel you need now you can play with the recipe it's no different than being in your kitchen and cooking. You can add more of this and more of that to taste, you know, as you, as you need it. And Randy, um, for purposes of the podcast, tell them what episode, I don't know if we mentioned the episode number this is, if, if you have that yeah, handy. This is 2208. This is 2208. And I think it's helpful. He says with zero confidence. He <laughs> says with he says with zero knowledge. <laughs> he says, this is a way. He's making his own facts. No, his is, own yeah, truth. No, I'm just pretty, yeah. Well, <laughs> there's a there's a good there's a good sidebar topic. I mean, don't don't we do don't we do that? Yes. You know, I I remember having a conversation with an old man, who said, uh, "What did I say this was?" Twenty two oh eight. I lied. It's not 2208. It's 2209. There we go. 2209. This is 2209. I will have said that at the beginning, at the beginning, having a conversation with an old man. And I said, you sure that's how it happened? And he said, well, I, he laughed. He said, I remember it the way it should have been. <laughs> you know, that's so funny because that's the same thing. I have poor, I don't have, I, I shouldn't say poor, but I do not recall. Well, I'm very much a forward thinker just the way my brain is wired yeah. and, and a funny story between me and my husband, very young in our marriage, we've been married 34 years now. And looking back, I would try to argue with him. He's got like a steel trap. I don't know how, <laughs> why God gave him all the power to recall expertly what has happened and me, none of it. Else. So I've learned, he's like, are you really going to argue with me about this? You remember, you don't remember what you ate this morning. <laughs> and, you know, and I was, so I learned very early, like I'll try to have put up a good fight, but I really don't remember. And, and I, and when I'm telling stories, he's like, do you want to tell our engagement story? I'm like, well, I would, except you always correct it because in my head, that's how it happened. <laughs> and he always laughs. He goes, okay, I won't interrupt your version of the truth any longer, because if that's your happy memory, I'll let you keep it. <laughs> you know? But it's so funny because I just remember things differently. Don't we all? 
you know, Um, but I, I absolutely know his version is probably the more accurate of the two. Um, But that's just the way it is. Uh, So it's, it's that whole theory of we will create our own truth if we don't explore it and seek knowledge to make sure we understand the actual truth. And it's just natural. I think it's just a natural tendency that we, it's a skill that you do have to develop and craft and keep working on to make sure you're doing that. And it will serve you well in leadership. But we've said all along, it's why humility was that very first topic. And it's why it's the foundation for everything. So you've been married 34 years, Rhonda and I've been married 44 years. And if you don't bring humility to the relationship, if you don't bring a degree of acquiescing game's over, right? Game's over. I mean, you could stay married and be miserable, but it's so much nicer, you know, to lean into the strengths of your partner and they lean, they lean back in. There's also something that we don't talk about very much and we won't prolong today's episode, but it's reciprocity. It's the reciprocal behavior that you get. That is an important element. And maybe at some point we'll dive a little bit deeper into it because what you will find as a leader with your team is you will find that your humility will spread. We have talked about some of these ingredients being contagious, most notably curiosity. When you get into the habit of asking questions, your team, your team will, I promise you, Start you, you, will be, you will be the lone exception. And I would love to hear from you. If you try this and you try it for any period of time at all, and it doesn't happen, I want to hear the story because I've never right. seen it. What I have seen is when leaders get in the habit of asking questions, and I don't mean asking questions of their team, but asking the question that their team considered for their team to consider, I've never, ever seen it not be reciprocated. And I think there's something powerful about that. True with knowledge as well. If I share knowledge, you're going to share it. I mean, the story that I gave of the guy that I miss, I kind of misread in the business meetings. I mean, within five minutes, he's and, and he started it. I didn't, you know, I didn't share anything about myself. He did. I'm sure at some point I did. After that, we just have this innate desire to reciprocate mm-hmm. the behavior. Guess what that does? That makes our team that much more close knit, that stronger together. Well, and ultimately, if it's done in a healthy way, it is going to impact directly your culture and the team environment. It just will. It can't not. Yep. Right. Uh, it's going to have an impact and it. I can't imagine it's anything but positive. Well, and that's what we want it to be. It's why the name of the podcast is Grow Great. We appreciate you clicking play and listening, and we hope you'll tell a friend. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.